Before the day of modern harbors, ships that came into shore would normally have to wait on the outskirts until a flood tide came in. And when the flood tide came in, the moment that, that right at that moment, the captain of the ship knew that that was the moment they would have to ride the tide all the way into what we now call the harbor. In Latin, they called riding the tide into the harbor ab portu. And if you think about those two words, ab portu, we get our word opportunity from that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, there's a great door and effectual open unto me. What he was saying there was, I have an ab portu. At at the moment of time, at the right moment, the captain knew if he delayed, if he didn't hoist up the anchor, they would miss riding the tide and they would be stuck out in, that, in the water in the outskirts there until another flood tide came in. This word, these two words became so important. Shakespeare, at the back, uh, in one of his, one of his uh, plays, Julius Caesar, Act 4, Scene 3, said this, There is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. Omit it, all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. Paul, as we read here, was ministering there at Ephesus. I think we find the background to this in Acts chapter 19. Wonderful story. And there in Acts chapter 19, he spent some time there at Ephesus, uh, one of the great churches of the first century was established. Because of his ministry there, uh, we, have the, we have the epistle to the Ephesians. Because of his ministry there, we have reference to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. And because of the ministry there, we have uh, First and Second and Third John that were written. So Ephesus was a very important church. As we'll see later on, we also know that to be a church where God expanded the ministry of the gospel throughout all of Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey because of Paul's influence at that time. Paul knew at that moment because what's going on, and I think it was right at that cusp, at that two-year mark where all the, where all of, where he said all of Asia heard the word of the Lord. He, he says there that there was a great door in effect will open unto him. I think the training opportunities, I think the sending out opportunities, I think the receptiveness of people towards the gospel, all of it was there. You know, it's a wonderful thing in a ministry when you just, when, when things are clicking, you know, where you just see, you know, people are getting saved, uh, people are willing to get baptized, they want to get a discipleship, they're growing in the Lord, and without even prodding them, people automatically want to come to church more than just Sunday mornings, whatever it may be. They want to get involved with so many number of things like that. I mean, it's a wonderful thing when things are clicking like that. And Paul was speaking about opportunities. When I think about opportunities, and I think when you think of opportunities, I think, of, I think the primary thing that comes to our mind as a Baptist church is the opportunity to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out. I think of our good friend Dwight Tomlinson, pastor for many years in California, and actually he probably still had a few more years of pastoring left in him, but he felt the Lord burning his heart as he was making missions trips annually to Asia. He just felt there was a need that, that somebody needed to represent, uh, to be the go-between for the churches here on the state side so that national pastors over, overseas could be vetted out and supported. And he took that up, and because of that, we went from just maybe a dozen or so uh, pastors before he went full-time with Barnabas 1040, maybe a dozen or two dozen pastors we were supporting, to well over hundreds of works at 
are being supported and many more that he has to see. And we're just excited that going from the Middle East all throughout Asia, that there's pockets of opportunities opening up. Every time a missionary or natural pastor uh, has an opportunity to training someone, they're going to send out. Somewhere along the line, they find out about Barnabas 1040. They contact Brother Tomlinson. He goes down there, spends some time there vetting him out. He'll spend time in their Bible college or Bible Institute studying what's going on. He'll vet out the man. But these are days of opportunities, and we thank God for that. The word opportu means a turning of the tide, riding the tide into the harbor. Paul said he had a great door and effectual. I want you to see four things with me very quickly tonight. It may not be a long message, but I want you to see four things with me tonight about this. Number one, would you write this down? Opportunities are a way. Opportunities are a way. Now, when I say that, here's what I mean. An opportunity is a passage. It is a portal. It is a door. It is a passage. It is a voyage. It is a way. An opportunity is an open door. When you see that open door, you make your way through that. An opportunity is when there are no barriers to entry. An open door is when the passage is clear for you to pass. An opportunity open door is a way to successful venture. I think of a story I want to tell you about tonight. Back in, uh, in Ireland, between 1846 and 1851, they had what was known as the Irish Potato Famine. And uh, because of that famine during a six-year period of time, on the western side of Ireland, about 30% of the people that, that, grew, that grew potatoes got so discouraged by this famine, they, they picked up their belongings and moved out of the area. So there was a 30% decline in the population and people in that area. Just, they suffered very badly. A man by the name of John Bloomfield, who is the owner of a, of a, of a business called Castle Caldwell in County Fernanagh, uh, was working on some of the cottages, on trying to recover the, the cottages and trying to get things going. And so he went on all this land that he owned through his, his holding company called Castle Caldwell. And he was inspecting the properties, looking at them. And he noticed for some of the, 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 uh, the farmers that were on these lands that there was a glossy finish on the, on the outside of their, of, their, um, of, their, of their homes there. And so he looked at this vivid white finish and he started asking the farmers, well, what is this finish that's on your home? And they all told him that, well, you know, this clay that you're, that, uh, the, the topsoil, the clay deposit upon which we grow our potatoes on, uh, we get it from that on this clay deposit. He just, they basically said it, it had this, this finish to it. And, uh, so they said it had this fine quality. So he started studying a little bit there. He started to realize, wow, this is really good stuff here. And so, uh, to raise more money, and to try to just, you know, to get the hiring process back up and put people back in employment, he started to generate, he started to do a, he opened a pottery company using the very uh, clay soil that he had on his property. And the end result of that is that he built this pottery company in the village of Belik. Now, if you know the name Belik, you know anything about pottery, that location in 1857 became very famous, what we know today, as the Belik China and Pottery Company. You can go and Google it today, and they make very fine pottery, they make very fine china, and all of it came about because John Bloomfield just saw this opportunity of this clay deposit there. He wasn't really looking at it before, but he said, I've got to generate some revenue, I've got to get business kicked up, and he looked at that, and he said, you know what, maybe we can make some china pottery out of that, and out of that came out that, that wonderful business that he has there. John Bloomfield saw a great door of opportunity and he went through it. Paul understood what an open door was. When he saw an opening, he went through it. If you'll turn to your Bibles, notice 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, here's what Paul said about the city of Troas. He said, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. Now, I believe Paul got that opening, went over there in Acts chapter 16. If you remember, God 
uh, he felt like God wanted him to go eastward with the gospel. And as he tried to go eastward twice, the Holy Spirit bade him no. The Holy Spirit said no to that. And so the Holy Spirit started to lead him westward. And as he did so, he started to lead him to the coastline. And the stopping point he made was at Troas. He was at Troas when the Lord gave him the vision of the Macedonian man who said, come over and help us. It could be right at that moment in time that there at Troas, that's where God had him start that church and got things going. We read later on in Acts chapter 20, when Paul was making his way back to, uh, make his way to Jerusalem, he stopped off at Troas, where now this church is full-fledged. We read about this church having a building, and they were on an upper floor, and, and they invited Paul to stay overnight. He stayed for several weeks there, uh, several days there, and they asked him overnight on the Lord's Day to preach the gospel, and he preached a, he preached the message that night. But he talked about here in 2 Corinthians 2.12, he says, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, he says, the door was open unto me. Uh, John, the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 3, speaks about the church at Philadelphia. In the church of Philadelphia, he talks about that great open door. He says, he talked about the door which God opens that no man can close, and the doors that God closes no man can open. Jesus said the fields are wide already into harvest. We have opportunities. Opportunities are a way. Opportunities are what God gives us. Opportunities are what God wants us to go through. We have opportunities to win the loss with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we ought to be thankful tonight that we're in the United States of America, where our freedom has not been restricted. We may have people more hostile to us, but our freedom has not been restricted. We can give tracts out. We can put the gospel on the Internet. We can put up. We can put a, a gospel video up. And by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, you ought to go to our website and look at our, the gospel videos we have. They're a wonderful tool. We have the the gospel in several different foreign languages. It's in Vietnamese. It's in it's in Chinese. It's in Spanish. I think we have it in Russian. I believe we have it in we have an Arabic. We have it in Farsi. I mean, we have it in a number a uh, number of languages there that would be very helpful to you. So if you're out giving the gospel to somebody and you find wind up that they uh, find out that they don't speak English very well, you can direct them on your cell phone or your, or your, your or, or maybe your iPad device if you have your iPad with you to listen to the gospel message right there on there. And so it's a wonderful thing there. So we have we have opportunities that God gives us there. The opportunities are all around us. We have to lift up our eyes and see these opportunities. Let me say this tonight. Opportunities are always preceded by prayer. We ought to be praying for opportunities. We ought to be asking every single day for God to open doors for us for these opportunities. Here's what Paul said in Colossians 4.3. Withal praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. If you go over to Acts chapter 14, I think it's around verse 27. You know, Paul, Paul makes his journey back to the cities that he started his first missionary tour. And while he was there, he came back to Antioch where, of Syria where he was his sending church. And he talked to them and told them about the great door of faith that God gave them. Now, Paul knew something about opportunities. He knew when the door was open, it was time for, us, for them to go through. And he said here in Colossians 4.3, he says, pray for us that God would open to us a door of honor. I'm going to ask you tonight that you'd pray for God to open for me doors of utterance. And that you'd pray for yourself that God would open for you doors of utterance. Let's pray that in spite of COVID, that we'll look to the Lord to open opportunities of reaching people. Right now, we're thankful during COVID that God has opened a door for us to make our way into several hospitals. We've built some relationship with people there. And with this COVID situation right now, we're praying that God would help us to reach these people the gospel. And we've, we've saturated with the gospel many, many times. And we get some, we get some responses back from some of these people 
people. We've done meals for us, and we're just holding on to that. Pray for us that as we're leaving tracks at people's doors on Saturday, so winning, and, and during the weekdays, that people will be open. Since the very outset of this ministry, from day one, God has given us open doors. We've, we've seen the opening. We've made our way through. We've seen open doors for the reaching of children. We've seen an open door for our glow ministry on Saturdays, and we're thankful for that. We have some children that we're, we're reaching now with the gospel there on Saturdays. We thank God that God has given us an open door through our extension ministries and reaching people through there. God has given us an open door for reaching college students. Most recently, we thank the Lord that at UC Berkeley campus in the last two years, God has given us a wonderful open door there. And prior to that, at UC Davis, uh, God has given us an open door reaching teens in the middle and high school campuses. And thank God for some of our students who've just gotten the burden and concern for their friends and, and brought their friends out or got them onto a Zoom, Zoom meeting that we have to hear the gospel. God has given us an open door for our adult Sunday school classes. Thank God for every one of our classes that have started that, have, that are meeting on, on, uh, through Zoom right now on Sundays, and uh, visitors are trying to bring in for that. And we're thankful for Sunday school at different levels. God has given us open doors both in our Chinese-speaking, Spanish-speaking ministries. God has given us open doors through our community influence. God has given us open doors through our county. God has given us a store, strong door-to-door presence. I'm just saying I can go on and on and on, but we thank God that, uh, that, that an open door is an opportunity. An open door is a way that God gives us. So we see opportunities our way. Notice number two. Opportunities must be worked. An opportunity is of no use if you don't work it. You've got to work it. Opportunities require effort. Opportunities are not a walk in the park. They, they're work. You might have a few setbacks, but you've got to work it. Opportunities must be pursued and checked. Listen, if you get out of a job and you're looking for a job and the job market is tight, you've got to work it. I mean, you, you just can't sit there thinking, well, I just I've got, I can collect unemployment. Thank God for that. But you've got to go out there and you've got to work it. You've got to work things. If you want something to happen, you've got to work it. I mean, I want you to think with me for just a minute. Opportunities must be pursued and championed. Listen to this. What if Steve Jobs did not work the opportunity to innovate the world through Apple products? What if Larry Page and Sergey Brin did not work the opportunity to innovate the world through Google as a search engine and all the different things that Google does? What if Jeff Bezos did not work the opportunity to innovate the world through purchasing merchandise through Amazon and through prime shopping? What if Elon Musk did not work the opportunity to be a leader in the electric clean car industry and now in aerospace with SpaceX? And I'm not commending these men because there's different nuance about them, about them that I don't particularly like. You may not particularly like. But when I think in terms of, of, in terms of technology and what they've done for just uh, our world in that sense, I mean, you have to think about what if these men didn't work it? What if they didn't put the hours behind it? What if they didn't believe in the idea? What if they didn't cast the idea and get other people to believe it? I'm just saying you have to work the opportunities. Listen, churches rise and fall upon people seeing the opportunities, of people seeing the fields widen to harvest and going out there and doing something for Jesus Christ. Missionaries rise and fall based upon whether or not they see the opportunity. Listen, a missionary could go to a foreign field. He may not have any contact. He may not know anybody there and just starts off fresh. He learns the language. He's just got to go out of his way and learn it. I think about our missionary, Brother Ed Ray, who's, o- who's over in a in restricted access nation. Brother Ed Ray went to the mission field at the age of 40. They say that you shouldn't go to the mission field at the age of 40, especially for the field he went to because language is very, very difficult there. But he put himself to it. He gave himself to eight hours a day continuously for five years in mastering the language. He preaches the language very well. If you listen to his sons, they sound like native language speakers when they speak the language. But I remember the, those early days reports we got from Brother Ray. As he went there, he just worked the streets of a city that was in that had about, at that time, probably 18 million people. It was about 24 million people 
people now. And he would just start working the streets and meeting people, talking to cab drivers and people. He just went out of his way and started talking, practicing Chinese with them. Of course, he was kind of a, a novelty at six foot four and a blazing red hair walking down the streets there of Asia there. And so he'd walk down there and he'd start talking Mandarin and Chinese to them. And, and they would get excited about that and he'd get conversation. But now today, you go to the location where that they have a thriving church doing many things. And they probably have seven or eight locations that, are, that have been branched out because of that one location. I mean, opportunities, you have to work them. You've got to do something. I mean, I, I think of our glow ministry right now. Our teams that are involved in the global ministry, I mean, they're working. They have prayer time during the week. They make a list of names. We consult during the week what they're doing. They hit it. They get out there Saturday before the meeting starts. They're hitting it hard. They have the meetings. Regardless of what the turnout is, they follow back up with everyone. I mean, you've got to work it. If you're going to build a class, you've got to work it. If you're going to build a route, you've got to work it. If you're going to do something, you've got to work these things. We've got to put it to work there. I mean, Paul said there is a great door and effectual. That means the door is wide open. It's active. And it's powerful. God trusted Paul at Ephesus when he got there. Because God trusted him with that, he got some men trained. And, and we believe that perhaps those men who went out defected all of Asia Minor in that two-year period of time might have been those 12 men that he met that, had, that, uh, that came under the influence of the Apostle Paul. He had to scripturally baptize those men there in Acts chapter 19. They came under his mentorship. He discipled them. And during that time, those men got on fire. They went out and did great things for God. But he worked it. And he taught them to work. And they went out there and they defected. Listen, we would not have had the churches of Asia Minor that John wrote those letters to over in Revelation had it not been for the fact that Paul and those men work the opportunities. We've got to work those opportunities. When it's safe again for us to transport people on our, on our church vehicles, we'll need to work the routes. We're going to have to work the streets. We're going to have to get some new drivers raised up. We're going to have to get some people out there to get the job done. You're just going to hang out there for about 30 minutes or 60 minutes. You're not going to get it done. You've got to get half a day to get the job done. If we're going to build our Sunday school class when it's time for us to reassemble there again. We've got to work it. You've got to work the place where you're at. If you're going to reach your, your co-workers for Christ, you've got to work it. If you're going to reach people at where you go to school, you've got to work it. As long as people or children are being born, men and women are marrying, new communities are being started, new home construction is happening, as long as we have cities, as long as we have schools, as long as we have hospitals, as long as there are new communities, listen, as long as we have all that, we've got to work the opportunities if we're going to make it happen there. They've got to be worked. Nobody built a successful business without work. No church is built without work. I mean, I hear these guys talking about it's so hard. You know why it's hard? Because they're not working. You've got to work hard, Amen. Either you're working hard or you're hardly working. Amen. Opportunities. They're a way. Opportunities must be worked. Number three, what you notice is opportunities are a window. Opportunities are for a window of time. Just like riding the tide. If that captain on that vessel did not catch the change in the current and didn't ride that tide, if he knew he said that anchor up in time, he would have been stuck out there until the next, the next tide. Now, there are obvious opportunities. Those are opportunities we can see. If you can see an opportunity, you've got to go through it. There are oblivious opportunities. There are opportunities that are there, but you're oblivious to it. You don't see and you're walking right by it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, when COVID came around, I, I started saying, Lord, I've got to help my eyes be open to catch every opportunity there is. And I'm thankful for that. This past weekend, I, I, I called up one of our couple's families that um, they're going through some trials 
and I and I and I, and I, I, I messaged him in the morning. Say, hey, if you got time, can my wife and I call you tonight? It was Saturday night. So can we call you to have a time of prayer with you? They said fine. And I said, by the way, this might be a good time for us to see if we can get some of your family members involved and uh, get them on there. And we thank the Lord that on Saturday night, about six thirty, we had about sixteen people that was on the Zoom call that we had, and I think four or five of them I had met before, maybe six, five or six of them I had not met before. They're all on there. We got I got a chance to share the gospel with them and get the word of God in there for a few minutes and had a time of prayer with everyone there and they're excited about doing that again and they want to do it in a foreign country somewhere. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm looking for opportunities. I'm looking for every single way we can get to people. I'm not going to let COVID-19 inhibit us. There are doors. We've got to go through them. We've got to look for them, but, they're, but we don't want to be oblivious to these opportunities. And then there are obstructed opportunities. There are opportunities God gives us. They're allowed to, but there's hindrances along the way. That's what Paul said. There are many adversaries. Now, let me say this about this window. Some opportunities might only come once. If you know somebody that you need to get the gospel to, you should treat the opportunity to get the gospel to them as maybe the only time you'll ever get that chance. Only time you'll get a chance to get them the gospel, to get them a track there. Some opportunities might be seasonal, like Christmas and Easter and Friend Day. And we want to take advantage of those, and our church has done well with that. Opportunities might be available through a time of adversity and hardship. And we've tried during COVID, during these times of adversity, to take advantage of those opportunities of reaching people. But they may only be available through adversity or hardship, and we've got to do what we can to that. Uh, opportunities might be unique to a person or to a ministry. Uh, you only have a window of time to reach people on the street before they move and relocate. It used to be, I think, when we moved here to San Leandro, our church moved here, I think people were moving out of their homes every seven to eight years. I think now it's every three to four years now, just because we see, we notice that if we go to homes, there's a lot of turnover happening there. I'm just saying that, you know, we've got to reach people. We don't have a window of time of reaching people at certain places. Uh, every service I preach, every time we open the door for a church service, is an, open, is an open door for a window of time. We may not have that person come back to church service again. Maybe the last time they come, we want them to hear the gospel. You may only have a window of time to reach the heart of a child or a teen. Think about that. You only have a window of time to reach the heart of a child or a teen. Years ago, a young Scotchman from Fife, Scotland, was leaving home. He's probably about 17, 18 years of age. He was saved, but he was not an active Christian. You could say he was just kind of nominal. His mother, who was very godly, walked with him to the door. And he was very anxious because he said, I know my mom's going to ask me to do something. And she said, Robert, she says, now you're going away. I want you to make a promise to me. And he said, no, I'm not going to make a promise, mom, until I know. She said, he said, because I don't know how difficult the promise is going to be. She said, here's all I want you to promise me. I want you to promise me for the time you're away from home. You'll read one chapter of the Bible every night before you go to sleep, and you'll spend a few minutes in prayer. That's all I ask you to promise me. One chapter a day, one chapter a night of the Bible, and you'll pray. He thought about it for a minute, and Robert said, Mom, I think I could do that. I promise I'll do that. Every night before I lie down, I'll do that. So he did it. A couple of years went by, God changed his life. Went to church service, God called him to the mission field. That Robert was Robert Moffat, one of the early day missionaries to the nation of Africa. 
Robert Moffat was responsible for preaching a service where David Livingston was called to go to Africa. Robert Moffat was the one who coined the phrase, I see the smoke of a thousand villages every time I look out there. Robert Moffat, when you look at his life, he almost brought an entire continent to the gospel. Because of the seeds he sowed, because of the vision he had, because of the pioneering spirit, because he walked through that open door, it affected many, many of the nationals. I mean, you can still find the footprint of Robert Moffat all throughout there. The same could be said of Adoniram Judson. Adoniram Judson, when he went to Burma, which is now Myanmar, there's still, there's still descendants of Robert Adoniram Judson's work that he did there many, many years ago that you can still find there. I'm just saying this, that, uh, you know, this mother saw that she had a window of opportunity with her son. And she says, I know this window is vanishing. It's kind of like a melting ice cube. You have to realize raising children is like a melting ice cube. You only have a small period of time. The ice cubes continue to melt. It's going to continue to just decline and melt. And so you only have a window of time of reaching them. And so she said, this is my last shot at it. But thank God that she told her son, would you please promise me that you'll read your Bible, that you'll pray, and that you'll, uh, every night before you go to sleep, and he did so, and because of that, that that man got called into the gospel ministry. Opportunities are a window of vanishing time. Napoleon said this, he said he was able to win all of the battles he won because he understood the value of five minutes. Think about that for a minute. Napoleon said he understood, he said he won all the battles he won because he understood the value of five minutes. I'm saying tonight, opportunities are a window. You only get them once. You only get them certain times. They're only seasonal. What are you doing with the opportunities? One last thing we're done tonight. Opportunities are way, great, door and effectual. Opportunities must be worked. Opportunities are a window. As we close tonight, would you notice verse 9 again? For a great door... And effectual is open unto me. And there are many adversaries. Opportunities must be won. You know, it would be great if every opportunity was a walk in the park. It would be great if every opportunity was a goose that laid the golden egg. Amen? But it's not like that. Over time, you're going to realize where there are opportunities... There are also adversaries. There's also opposition. There's difficulties. Paul said in an earlier verse in chapter 15, he fought the beast at Ephesus. I think those were people, the Jews that were against him. I think they were false teachers. Uh, Paul had people against him all the time. If you go there to Acts chapter 19, you read about riots there. He affected the silversmith trade. I spoke about that a couple Sundays ago about how Paul, he got there and, and you know, silversmiths, that was a great, that was a great business to be in because basically people, you read about this in Isaiah, in fact, we'll see it this coming Sunday. People brought bags of gold. You read about this in Isaiah 47, I think. They brought bags of gold to a silversmith and asking him to melt that down into an idol of their imagination. If you can imagine that. A bag of gold or bags of silver. And silversmith made great money because the city of Ephesus, like many of the Grecian cities of that time, they were, they were infested with idols. People just didn't have one idol. They had multiple idols. They, just, they had an idol for every single thing. They had an idol for their health. They had an idol for their health. They had an idol for this. They had an idol for their money. They had an idol for their fishing. I mean, whatever maybe They had idols for every single thing. And so 
Paul, when he got there, his people started getting saved. Remember the story there? They brought their curious arts and things like that, and that included their idols. They dumped and they burned all of that. They started getting rid of their idols, started throwing away. I reminded about a couple years ago, we helped one of our family, one of our church family members. Their, their mother got saved, and they went to the house, and they talked to the mother about this, 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 idol, this idol that they had, this idol shelf. And they, they, the mom said, take it out of the house because I'm saved right now. And thank God they took it out of the house and they dumped it here, the church, the church uh, uh, garbage thing here. But, uh, but thank God, but thank God we got, well, at least we got evidence that they threw it out. I think of another family that we, we led to Christ back in, I don't know, 2013, 2014. And about three, three months later, this, this God shelf that they had there that was very prominent, the moment you walked through their door, they threw it out. We didn't have to say anything. They knew it was, it was the wrong thing for them to have it. They got it out and God started changing things in their life there. I'm just saying tonight, as you think about that, there are always going to be opportunity. There's always going to be adversaries. Well, Paul started to, see, started to see people getting saved, and the market share of the idol of idol worship started to decline, and the silversmiths started to watch that the, their guild and their trade started to realize, hey, we're losing business here. People are not coming in like they used to, and their customers have gotten saved. They're following Paul, and they, got, they started a riot with all the trade guild about that situation. Well, they became adversaries to Paul. Now, God gives us an open door to be won and not to be lost. We have to realize we're going to have adversaries. We're going to have difficulties. But they must be won. Paul, uh, the adversaries fought Paul but, and ran him up, but he went on and did great things. I mean, what you think of me for just a minute, you think about all the churches that Paul started. He had adversaries at Paphos. On, on Cyprus, he had a, a man there that the, this 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 false prophet that opposed him. He had he had opposition in Antioch Pisidia. He had opposition in Iconium. He had opposition Derby Lystra. At Derby Lystra, there are the people. In one minute they're praising him, they call him a god. The next minute, you know, he def, he deflects all the, the praise back to back to God. He says, "Don't praise me. Don't call me a god. I'm not a god." And next minute, you know, these hostile Jews come down. They spread all these bad rumors about Paul. The people drag him out of the city. There, they stone him. They leave him for dead. And the apostles the the uh, Barnabas and all his friends are around him wondering what's going on and they're cheering Paul on. Paul gets up as he gets up. He goes right back into the city that just stoned him. He confronts the people that stoned him, gives them the gospel, tells them he loves them. You can imagine him there. He's got bruises. He's got broken bones. He's probably bleeding out. He's got, he's showing obvious scars of having been stoned, but he's loving these people. And then the next day he left, kept on preaching the gospel. I mean, Paul just recognized that opportunities must be won. Uh, he went to Philippi and he got beaten there at Philippi, but in spite of getting beaten. There the Bible says at midnight that he and Silas, they prayed and sang praises of God. As they did so, God opened the prison doors. I believe they asked God for something big and mighty. And I think that big and mighty thing was for God to fling the doors open, to open the prison doors for them so they, get the, they can get the gospel to the prisoners as well as to the jailer. And the jailer got saved there. I think of Thessalonica. They had a riot there. And yet the Bible says down there at Thessalonica that they, these are, they were called these or they that turned the world upside down. But at Thessalonica, they ran them off. At Berea, they ran them off. At Athens, they opposed him there on Mars Hill, and they gave him a lot of opposition. At Corinth, they opposed him there. And at, uh, at, at Ephesus, he had problems there. Asia Minor, he had problems there. And then I think about Melita. I think about the shipwreck he had when he was out in the Mediterranean Sea, and uh, the, the, the ship uh, broke apart. Uh, a couple miles, if you would, from shore, and he got them some broken pieces and boards with all the other men, and they made their way into shoreline there at the island Melita, which is now known as the island of Malta. 
And uh, there they were, you know, they were just they, the, 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 the natives of that, of that island were very sympathetic to the people, these, these ship survivors. So they made a huge bonfire for them. And as they were getting wood, all the men that were survivors, the 270, 275 other men, they were just standing around there shivering and shaking. Paul said, well, you know, I've got to put myself to good use. See, so he went out and grabbed some branches and some wood to put on the fire. And you know the story. There's, he put the branches and wood on the fire. A venomous viper came out, very, very, uh, very familiar to the natives of that, of that island. It came out and latched on his right hand. And the first thing came to their mind was, oh, certainly this man must be a criminal. And they started saying bad things about him. But Paul, as they did so, they just looked at that viper. He shook it off back into the fire. And then they changed their mind. And they said, oh, maybe he's not a criminal. Maybe he's a god. But he went through all these, these adversities. On the ship, the shipmaster the, the ship would not listen to him. The centurion wouldn't listen to him. They, they didn't believe anything he said. Then they suffered loss of the ship. They suffered loss of all the goods. And then they were floating out there in the water. Then they were shipwrecked. And they had to grab a piece of wood and make their way to shore. And then as survivors on the shore, nobody's life was lost. He gets bit by a viper, but he's not hurt. But through all of that, Paul sought an opportunity. Now, can you imagine if that was you and me? Everybody else that was on the ship, they just wanted to survive. They just wanted to get back on a ship and make it back to, 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 their, to the country of their destination. Not Paul. He's there on the island of Malta. And now, because he was faithful, because the people saw what was, what, that, that, the, that the viper's bite did not hurt him, they introduced him to Publius, who happened to be the, the man in charge of the island. And uh, Publius invited Paul and all the men that came to have a meal with him. And through the course of Paul, as he sat at meal with Publius, found that Publius' father was very sick with an intestinal disease. Paul went in there and prayed for that man. God healed that man, and God gave an open-door opportunity there on Malta. Now, remember now, Paul didn't script this. Paul did not plan this. Paul did not even have this on his mind. He didn't even know that God was going to lead him to the island of Malta there. He just knew that he could trust God. He said, I believe God it shall be even as it was said to me. And he got there on the island of Malta and he just started watching things unfold. And God just started opening a little way here. He just started walking through and he started following it. And God gave him a great door of opportunity. And listen, a New Testament church was established here on the island of Melita because Paul saw an opportunity. I'm saying tonight, opportunities must be won. There will always be difficulties. There will be always opportunities. Listen, you, you, in so many, it's always going to be hard. People are going to be hostile. People are going to close their doors. People are not going to want to talk to you. People are going to delay about coming. They're going to have some other faith. It doesn't matter what it is. There will always be adversaries, but where there's adversaries, thank God tonight that there's a great door to effectual that God gives to us. FB1. FB championed. Now either you can be content just floating along and having church the way it is, or we're going to look for opportunities. Opportunities that are away. Opportunities that must be worked. Opportunities that are a window. Opportunities that must be won. You have an opportunity right now with unsafe family members and co-workers and friends and people that just start talking to you because they're discouraged because of COVID. You have an opportunity. I have an opportunity. Our church has an opportunity. Let's go through that window. Let's realize there are adversaries, but let's win them. Let's not, the adver- let's not let the adversarial situation set us back. Let's go through it. Let's not let difficulty impair us. Let's go through it. Let's trust God and see what God is able to do.